turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2 this Wednesday, we do so with Congressman David Schweikert. A lot to talk to David about. First of all, Representative Schweikert, congratulations on your victory last night. Well earned and well deserved. Glad you'll be going back to represent us in Washington. You're very kind. So if you remember a conversation I think you and I had off the radio like three weeks ago, the number basically was almost identical to what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something, and I know this... um, hurt some people's feelings, but politics is actually math. Mm-hmm. It's the polling. It's your demographics. It's your voter history. And too many of us try to make it something other than, you know, um, you know there, is, there is the math to it, the science to it. It's, it's why, you know, if a district always votes for a Democrat it's you're, and you're a Republican, you're not likely to win no matter how wonderful you are. Right. Um, and, and we try to explain that to people and, their hopes and dreams often I think they can override the calculator. I don't know if you're as uh, temperamental about this as I am, David, but one of the things I resent in politics is people who really don't have a shot but waste people's time, money, hopes, and efforts oh. and dreams. I, it's, one well, of my, well, it's one of my pet peeves. Self-knowledge okay. is important. Start, Self-knowledge. Everyone listening, he started this. I started this, but self-knowledge is so for important. Everyone, for everyone listening, I love you. You're, you're, you're an amazing person because you're listening to a, you know, a much higher brow <laughs> server radio show. But you got to stop being scammed. <laughs> there you Around go. Around the country right now, there's these things called political consultants. Yeah. And what they do is they try to take someone who looks good, sounds good, creates enthusiasm, put them in a district where they can never, ever, ever win yep. against a well-known Democrat, and they raise boatloads of cash. Yep. You know, I'm going to take out Maxine Waters. No, yep. you're not. Yep. You know, I'm going to take out, and it's a scam. Yep. The political consultant puts 50% of the money in their pocket. The other 50% gets spent fundraising the other 50%. We get scammed all the time, and people get so excited because they they see um, – an African-American conservative who's articulate saying great things, but they're in a district that's unwinnable. Right. And could you imagine if those resources went to districts where we lose them by a couple hundred votes? There you go. Instead of ones where, what, there's one in Baltimore, what, two years ago? Yeah, that's right. That's raised right. $20 million, yeah. and we lost by 38 points. Yeah, yeah. We were never going to win. Right. That $20 million, if we had had that in House races, we would not have lost we would have taken the House back in 2020. Or funneled it so that we could keep the Senate somehow, because, I mean, the same don't, you know, we're always appealing to the same donors, but you and I are on the same page with that. In any event, well-earned, well-deserved, and congratulate. On a sad note, you lost a colleague today unexpectedly. Oh, I didn't know if you knew. Yeah, um, Jackie Walorski. Tell, tell us about this. And you know, I sit next to Jackie. Jackie and I have sat next to each other on Ways and Means now for years. Um, Jackie is... One tough lady with a heart of gold, 
um, she she has this specialty in human services. How do you? What are conservative principles to hold the family together? Mm -hmm. These are things we do in ways and means. Mm -hmm. And everyone listening, she apparently was in a car with two of her staffers and a wrong a wrong way driver. I only know a little bit of the story. Um, and all three are dead. Good and souls. This has happened hours ago. Good souls all. May they rest in peace. Um, thanks for. Yeah, if I had her talk about the RV industry one more time, apparently her district in Indiana is the epicenter for making RVs. <laughs> okay. And so every Ways and Means meeting, it was do you know if we would get rid of these tariffs on this wood that's required in RV? <laughs> hey, we, have, we need more aluminum. You know, it was. She was a tired. She was just one of those people who was fixated on helping those people in her district. Um, but you now know more about uh, RVs as a result of her, right? Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. God love her. God bless. God bless. Um, all right. Talk to me about what's going on with the Inflation Reduction Act. Joe Manchin, Cinema. I know okay, it's sir, in the other body, off, but what are you looking gotta, at? We've got to all come to an agreement. We're not going to call it the Inflation Reduction Act because that's a fraud. Good. Start there. It, it, they went out, hired a marketing firm, marketing firm, charged them money, gave them a name, saying, hey, call it something about inflation. You know, it has nothing to do. Um, look, my, my anger with the Democrats right now is almost off the charts because you all are familiar with the Congressional Budget Office that does scoring on bills. But if it's a bill that has tax implications in it, we in the Ways and Means in the Senate Finance Committee, we have our own committee that does the scoring. And because tax scoring and financial scoring is really complex. Mm -hmm. So we have about 50 economists, econometricians, statisticians that, you know, sit in the basement all day long. And they scored this bill. And they came back and said, hey, this um, raises lots, half the taxes on this. Half the taxes come from people under $400,000. Mr. President, Democrats, um, I know you didn't want to hear this, but that's how the model works. That's, that's, and immediately, the president, Joe Manchin, the Democrats are attacking our scorers. Mm-hmm. These are the people, that, they're bipartisan, they work for both, they, they nice Republicans, they nice Democrats, but they, they, they do the math. Sometimes I don't like their math, but it was just a couple of years ago, they gave Republicans a number we didn't like. You know, we worked on the bill and we changed the things they saw as the faults in the legislation, but we didn't attack the scorekeepers. Democrats have waged a jihad on tearing apart the scorekeepers because they don't want the public to understand what a rotten piece of legislation this is. David, is it, uh, is it something that can be stopped at the House uh, if it gets through the Senate? We can't stop it. At, we will not be able to stop it at the House. Okay. So um, we'll, do, we'll throw everything we have at it. Now, understand, that's not me being defeated. Right. We will throw everything we have at it. We'll throw every procedural motion. We'll just, but the Democrats have stripped away almost every blocking motion motions to recommit you know the debate they've taken it all away the house of representatives is a majoritarian body if you're in the majority you write the rules the senate is a rules-based body with tradition that protects the power of each individual Mm -hmm. senator Mm -hmm. 
why this bill is so dangerous is it's being done under what they call reconciliation. The right. 1974 Budget Control Act right. allowed a path where you got to go around the 60-vote threshold and only required 51 votes. And that's what they're doing on this bill is they're using one of their budget reconciliation budget boxes. I, I, I don't mean to geek out for everyone, but that's, that this is the world I have to work in. Sure. To drive this through the Senate with 51 votes. If they get it out of the Senate, um, Nancy Pelosi will bring us all back. They'll, they'll waive the rules. They'll waive hearings. They'll waive debate. They'll waive discovery on the legislation. They'll ram it through in 24 hours. Speaking of the House and Nancy, and I want to come back to this in a moment, but just speaking of, a lot of people have said to me they're proud that Nancy is standing up to China and visiting Taiwan, but what business of it is the speakers to do so? To which I say, well, there's a House Foreign Relations Committee and the House of Representatives votes on foreign policy and defense policy all the time and gives us things like the Jerusalem uh, Recognition Act and things. I, I have no particular problem. Am I wrong? Yeah. Am I wrong about this? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, fine. Okay. You know, it, it's theater. David. You know, it, it, it gives, look, it, it um, gives China something to pound their chest on. It gives Democrats. But but when I say theater, how many Republicans are on the trip with them? Yeah, that's why it's theater, of course. So, yeah, it, this wasn't a real you know, House delegation going to go show its interests and concerns in the region and trying to make sure they're buying our stuff and you know these things, and we're building sort of a, a trade wall against China. Um, this was theater because they took no Republicans with them. All right. So speaking of Republicans, elections, last thought I'd like to get from you today, David, how stands the Republican Party? I mean, we need to take back the House if we're going to have successes in our country. My view is things are looking no, good. No, and- no, 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 no. We need to take back the House if we're going to save the country. Fair enough. The people Fair have enough. no concept how fast the numbers are eroding. Um, Fair you enough. Know, CBO a couple days ago said the 30-year picture now is $138 trillion of borrowing, up from 112 in a single year. Wow. The the number, the long-term debt is exploding on us, and it's because of what Democrats have done this last year. Fair enough. I take that point. You're right. Uh, And now you look at the way primary season has been going, not just here, but in other states. How do you like your army? Pretty good to me, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I have actually a slightly different standard. Mm. Most people say, well, this person said conservative things. This person sounds good. Um, I'm sorry. I'm tired of voting for people that sound like conservatives and then show up and they're wimps. Right. I've grown much more interested in people who can take kicks in the head, body blows. You know, when, when the big business walks in and says, well, if you don't help us on this, we're going to not contribute to you and we're going to contribute to your opponent. And the ability to say, screw you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've more and more grown. It's the people that talk big games of how conservative they are. I need people who can take body blows. And it's principle, not, not, a, not a bunch of good, not great communicators. And that was the principle behind Freedom Caucus, mm-hmm. is banding together a number of people. Um, and often it's not, it, it's the ability to say no if that makes sense. Yeah. Or the ability to hold out for something that's good. Freedom Caucus was about people having a voice. Mm-hmm. Because under the Boehner regime, the secret was, 
take these two conservatives and strip them of their committee assignments. I know I was one of them. Mm -hmm. Or set these two side off or send these two, offer them a committee assignment or do this and that. And you needed a way to band together to protect each other. Now, it makes you absolutely hated. The lobbyists hate you, those sorts of things. So my answer is I'm looking for people who are tough. They don't have to be where I am ideologically, but on the key things that matter, can they handle the inbound hate that is social media, that is the political campaign, but don't tell you who's really behind them. Um, That's what I look for now in the political class. Well, there's a lot of it out there, David, a lot of hate, and uh, we're just delighted that uh, you won again, and uh, you will be standing up to it and for us. God bless you, sir. Godspeed, and thanks for all you do. Hey, take care. You bet. Bye now. You bet. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. CoolTouch.us is their website, or 623-748-4942. That's 623-748-4942. Best company in the business in this state. I will tell you, I've used Cool Touch many times, so have my friends. They all love it. They all say the same things I do, which is great quality of work, but, you know, equally if not even better customer service, which is really, at the end of the day, as equal to me at least, maybe not quite as equal, but as important, almost as important as the quality of work because they do what they say and they say what they'll do and they'll do it on the time that they tell you and they're never trying to upsell you. Cool touch, air conditioning, heating, and plumbing for all your air conditioning and plumbing needs. Not going to talk about heat right now. Uh, regardless of uh, where you are on this issue of uh, should we be backing DeSantis or should we be backing Trump as we look towards the presidential uh, race of 2024, and I'm happy to take your calls on this always. We're going to be discussing this for <clears throat> a little bit, it seems. You can't um, dismiss, on the one hand, Trump's attraction, power, and ability to make things be in this party. You look at his record, not only in Arizona, but in other primary states. There's just no gain saying uh, his his uh, Aristotelian definition of power, the ability to be and make things be. Uh, and at the same time, you cannot uh, discount or dismiss Ron DeSantis's ability and seemingly unique ability. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier about this uh, to kind of be the guy David Schweiger was just talking about, always willing to stand up and simply say no or take the advice of don't just do something, stand there, not be pushed around, and when pushed, to push back not as good as he got but harder, but harder, so as to stop the assault and the onslaught from next time. Uh, They will keep trying. They will keep failing. Uh, I loved, for example, uh uh, the fact that he was invited recently, this earlier, uh, I guess it was later last week, he was invited to um, to join uh, the ladies on The View and uh, to be a guest on that ABC show, you know, the Joy Bahar, Whoopi Goldberg uh, uh, junk fest called The View. And uh, Brian Griffin, his deputy press secretary, I just got to read you the response to the producer. You're going to love it. You're just going to this is how it's done. Dear X, thanks for the invite. I understand that you are sending this request on behalf of your team. 
But are the hosts of The View really interested in hearing from Governor DeSantis about all the important work he is doing on behalf of Floridians to protect their health and livelihoods, to stand up for parents and children and defend freedom? Which of the below statements from the hosts of The View do you recommend our team consider when deciding if the interview will be a genuine pursuit of the truth or worth the time? This is so good. Which of the below statements from the host of The View do you recommend our team consider when deciding if the interview will be a genuine pursuit of the truth or worth the time? Joy Bahar, August 2021. Quote, you're just short of calling Governor DeSantis a negligent homicidal sociopath because that's what he is. What is he doing? He's risking the lives of children, children's parents, their grandparents, anyone they may come into contact with so he can appeal to his white supremacist base so he can continue in his career and get reelected, close quote. Sonny Hostin, June 2022, quote, death Santis. I think he's a fascist and a bigot, close quote. Anna Navarro, April 2022, quote, it's anti-black, it's anti-gay, it's anti-LGBTQ plus community. And for some reason, the Republican base responds to it. He's anti-American. It's what happens in Venezuela. It's what happens in Nicaragua, close quote. Sonny Hostin, February 2022, on Governor DeSantis's policies. Quote, it started with CRT. Let's remember that. And those are anti-history laws, anti-black history laws, really. If you start coming after black people, what comes next? Of course, the LGBTQ plus community and then women and then other marginalized groups, close quote. In sum, we will pass on this offer. Also, Please note, we don't coordinate appearances of events of political nature from this, our official office. That's how you do it, man. That is how you do it. What kind of uh, – now, of course, you know it won't change what they say on The View, but at least there is use in political public shame. There is there is use to it. Now, that's, uh, that's him in writing. This was him uh, earlier today, and uh, God love him. God bless him. Here he is. They would shame people for even leaving their house in April, May 2020, and you can't do it. And Some people wanted to bury loved ones. They wanted to do this. And the the argument people were making is, well, wait a minute. I can look at the risk of COVID, and it's something that I'm willing to accept because these things mean more to me, to be able to bury a loved one or to be able to do things with my family. And and the public health uh, establishment, oh, no, no, you can't make that kind of cost-benefit analysis. Then... When the George Floyd riots were happening, they actually wrote a letter with thousands of these people signing it saying, we do not believe that rioting and protesting is, a, is uh, bad for COVID, that you can do it. Go ahead. Because we think it's so important that you have to do it. And then they said, but this doesn't mean we support all protests. If you're protesting lockdown policies or other things, then you can't do that. And that's when I knew these people are a bunch of frauds. Wow, man, that's it. Bunch of frauds. Truth, real truth to power, real power, the public health establishment. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. George Kaloff in the house and coming right up.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yes, here we are, George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. Good to see you in person, man, day after a big election. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Always good to be with you, Seth. Thank you. You too. Uh, I knew we'd have a lot of questions going uh, into today. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, what's your overall general lay of the land here today? What did we learn from last night? What do we know? What do we not know? Sure, sure. Let me... Uh We'll we'll do it uh, concisely but slowly so that folks can <laughs> can keep up. I won't uh, I won't ramble. So look, a couple things that we know for sure: we're going to have huge turnout. We've already had big turnout. It's going to be big turnout on both sides, mostly driven by Republican, you know, by the Republican side. The other thing we know is we're going to have record breaking. We're not even sure how much the dust's going to settle. Dust is going to settle on the percentage of the vote that's coming on election day both from in-person voters and those that dropped off. I mean, more so than we probably had in the last decade plus. We've already broken prior records and we're just getting started. Uh, we have about another, I'm estimating, uh, Republican and Democrat ballots in the 250,000 range. Maybe a little bit less, could be a little bit more. Across the state. Across the state. We know for sure 125 in Maricopa. They estimate about another in the mid-20s in Yavapai, 3,000 in Yuma. Frankly, Pinal County is a black hole in terms of how many ballots are left. Pima, we don't know. Today, by the end of the day, we'll have a sense of what's outstanding. But there's still a significant amount of ballots left. And we've already blown certain turnout uh, projections out of the water. Uh, and we know most of those, if not all of those, are early ballot drop-offs on Election Day with some small remaining, I believe, in rural Arizona, Election Day votes that weren't counted, particularly in places like Pinal that we know had had issues. So at a high level... Um, again, I think that most races are decided. We didn't see any movement on the Democratic side between who voted you know, via mail and who voted on Election Day. Obviously, we all know massive changes on the Republican side. I think most races are set. There's still a couple folks are waiting to call based on tonight's drop. And we can expect, last thing, we can expect some data at 5 p.m. tonight, uh, Maricopa at 7 p.m., and then smattering of things in between 5 and 7 from various counties. So we will probably have things buttoned up before we wake up tomorrow, you think? I think that the vast majority, if not all the races, will be decided. There may be one, for example, like the one in, in northern Arizona and Yavapai County, LD1, between Ken Bennett and Steve Zipperman. Oh, yeah. Depending on how many ballots are left, that one may still stay too close to call. The lion's share of them, I think, will be decided by the time, frankly, that we go to bed tonight because we'll have a sense on trajectories. Um, if this is consistent with what we had seen on election night, certain people are going to win, certain people aren't in terms of you know where we're going to end up. George, are there any head scratches? Are there anything? Is there anything that you saw today that you just said to yourself, "Wow, that's that's interesting," or even more so, "That's a surprise." So, uh, in terms of a result, frankly, and it's not yet decided because there's again a lot in Pinal County. Frankly, both of my surprising things have to do with Pinal County. Is the Vince Leach race? Oh. I, I I did not expect there's been maybe a small rumble that he could have been in trouble, but right now he is slated to not prevail, and he's down by about fifteen hundred votes. Even though the constituency that he does the best in in Pinal County is outstanding. So it's a down ballot race. Most of the up ballot races, I wasn't surprised by the outcome based on the surveys that we'd seen. The other surprise, frankly, is everything that transpired with Pinal County. I mean, I would not want to be anywhere near the elections department there. And frankly, like between what happened with the ballots now with the ballots running out. There's just it's a you know to use a very technical phrase it's a hot mess mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. and it continues to be more so and I mean I don't know when the end I'm not sure when the what, what site you know 
what ends in sight. This is the kind of thing that, at least for voters in Maricopa County, will remember, leads to the changing of the office of the county recorder sometimes. I mean, we went through Helen Purcell, and then we had the thing, and then we get Stephen Richard. I mean, this this is the kind of thing that changes long-time held offices, doesn't Absolutely. It? Absolutely. And look, Pinal County, uh, interestingly, has not been a stranger to controversy right. when it comes to the recorder. Right. And I think part of it is, look, that county has grown tremendously quickly. And I'm not sure that certain things have kept up with that growth. Yeah. Um, and again, and then there's just some things like running out of ballots. Again, I'll leave it to listeners to to make the judgment call in terms of what is or isn't reasonable. But in the climate, I guess I'll say it this way, Seth, in the climate that we're in on the way that we conduct elections, we really don't want to call into question anything more than's already been called into question. Right. And it calls into question uh, and it's in key and critical constituencies in a couple of races. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. We'll go to a break here. This is a quick segment. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more in depth. But that's a really great point in an election where you were hoping not to have to call anything more into question because we're kind of we're kind of loaded up on that. Uh, we now have a lot more to call into question. Yeah, it's a great observation. All right. Let me uh, and that's just that's that's just due to malfeasance, misfeasance and nonfeasance. I mean, this is due to human human judgment. This 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 was human error. This was not a technolo- merely a technological glitch. I'm Seth Leibson. He's uh, George Kaloff. We will be right back. I want to ask you a question. Think about it over the break. Some of these candidates that were really good, really new. They didn't make it through. Um, you know, what What does the future look like for them? How should they be thinking? How should we be counseling them? How should we be, uh, yeah, interacting with them for the future, if future there be? I'm Seth Leibson. He's George Kaloff. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for the investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. What they are offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure, collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm, as I say, run by really great people who are doing really well by doing good for others, and you can be too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital is our guest. Uh, George, the effect of Donald Trump, I was saying just a little before you got here, there's an old definition of power, Aristotle's definition of power is the ability to be and make things be. By first glance, he has made a lot of things be, not just in Arizona, but yes, in Arizona, it seems to me. Uh, and uh, this this is kind of interesting to me. I don't remember former presidents being as involved or as successfully involved, but you take apart anything I said or analyze it any way you want. Yeah, so you're it says right. Something something is being said here, though. One hundred percent, something's being said, and you're right. There is no former president in our general lifetime, last number of generations, that has had the power that Donald Trump has had since he's left office. Obama comes close, but he just wasn't involved in the same way. Even though he's Not still a, somewhat yeah. of a kingmaker yeah. on the on the left, it is a little bit more complicated, though, as to the role. Clearly. Uh, President Trump and his endorsement and the effect of the races is positive. There are, you know, essentially Trump endorsed candidates one up and down. I'm not at first glance. I'm not sure that anyone who was Trump endorsed didn't end up prevailing last night. But there is an underlying factor there because and, I, and this is a, a critical thing to note. So uh, we know that the batch of votes that came in via mail, the early mail uh, mailbacks that were uh, announced at 8 p.m., 
uh, leaned less Trumpy, to use that phrase. Um, and there were three races where Rusty Bowers, Tyler Pace, and Joanne Osborne were running, uh, and their opponents were Trump-endorsed. And their opponents were up in that batch by 20%. Oh, wow. In the same batch that, that, that the governor's race and some of these other dynamics. The, without the, the less, Trump endorsement. Right, without the Trump endorsement. They, they were, were the early leads, yeah. What that means is that, in general, the Republican Party, 100%, is, is all in on, and I'll broadly say it, America first in whatever way you want to define it. But there is a set you know, definition, and a lot of it is what we've been talking about in terms of the prominence of cultural issues. Those individuals, the four main prominent incumbents that lost, three for the state Senate, one for the state House, lost over cultural issues. Social, cultural, broadly speaking, a lot of the incumbents that were hit on the fiscal issues actually didn't lose. They ended up prevailing. Mm, mm, mm. Right. Cultural issues drive people more. School choice, religious freedom, life, you name it. And so uh, it's right. But that's why I sort of put the asterisks. It's clear the direction of the party is a direction, Arizona and otherwise. There's no going back from that. Now, the question is, how do we navigate it and how do we end up with? Uh, and again, someone who we talk a lot about, how do we end up with more Ron DeSantis types and how do we cast a strong vision for the future with the realities on the ground that we know you can't swim against the Nile River, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. river is raging. Mm-hmm. You either swim with the river or you better get out of the river's way. And last night made clear of that in a lot of these down-ballot races. I think, oh, gosh, when is the Wyoming primaries? Like August 16th or something like that, somewhere in the, like in a week or two, two weeks? Yeah. You know, what, it, Elizabeth Cheney probably will be thrown out of office is my guess. I, I would expect by a massively mar- wide margin. Right. And that seems... Excuse me. That seems to me will be the capstone of what we're talking about for him to take out a Cheney, for him to take out a Cheney in Wyoming. It's like what taking out a Bush in Texas or a McCain in Arizona kind of thing. I mean, this will be a big notch on the belt. There's a lesson I'm beginning to kind of pick up on, though, for Republicans who don't particularly like Donald Trump for either ideological or temperamental reasons, which is you don't have to actively put your thumb in the eye of those who do like him. That seems to me to be the least good way to go about. If you think you need to rescue the party from Trump, that seems to be the least good way to do it because you're not going to get out of the starting gate on that. One hundred million percent. Uh, the other thing, and you and mentioned- it's not necessary. It's it's just anyway. Go ahead. One hundred percent. And and more importantly, even than that, or maybe even right alongside that, is there's realities. Wyoming. East Mesa, Northwest <laughs> yeah, Valley, right. those are exceptionally conservative places, Yeah, right? There's a mismatch there. There's only so many – all those individuals had votes that were very central to the campaigns of the people running against them, right? right? Critical Republican plank votes. Right. And so there's a propellant, and Donald Trump took it to the next level, right? Those races probably would have still been won by much smaller margins, but there's a propellant there, but there's a reality. Wyoming is Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we listeners know what I mean by that. It's yep. an exceptionally conservative Republican state. You can only go to war so much with the man who carried the state by exceptionally wide margins and then live to fight another day. Right. And we're seeing that play out in um, races around the country, except for when it doesn't happen, like a Nancy Mace, where that district was very different than Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. low country of South Carolina behaves like the low country of South Carolina, and Wyoming behaves like Wyoming. That's right. That's right. Talk to me about political futures. Uh, I'm sure everyone in this audience, I'm sure everyone at this table had some candidates they really liked that didn't make it through there. Uh, You and I can think of probably some in, well, anyway, we can. (laughs) We know who they are. We know who some of them are. 
Not the end of the day, not the end of the world. Uh, I mean, it hurts for the candidate, obviously. It hurts for the supporters. Uh, we're going to unite, obviously. We have to because the ideology of our party and movement is what matters more than personalities. But for some of these candidates, some of who have been in office, some of who haven't, it's not the end of the day. It's not the end of the day, but it also is a very – running for office is very emotionally charged. Yeah. It is very taxing on individuals, on families, on bank accounts often. Sure. Uh, you put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you kind of compare it to being on the front lines, being in the trenches, what have and you. And the volunteers, my God, the energy of the volunteers, these young kids that and older people. Everyone, right? And then you feed yeah. off of that, and then you feel their disappointment. Yep. And I've had a lot of conversations today, uh, positive and a lot that weren't positive. And, and what I mean by that is they, they were disappointing. They were calls of... I'm sorry that the election didn't go our way, so on and so forth. Uh, but we have to focus on the future. And look, there are candidates, and one in particular that you and I supported exceptionally well in Shiri Sapir. Mm -hmm. She is a stellar candidate. Mm -hmm. She has to run again. What I mean has to, like she has to for the sake of our state and for our movement. We need people like her. Mm -hmm. She was tough. She came out of nowhere. And man, did she capture the hearts and minds of so many Arizonans around the state, thousands of them, tens of thousands of them. And while the result wasn't what you and I had wanted in terms of her prevailing and taking on Kathy Hoffman, um, I already today, even within hours of the election results being announced, encouraged her about the future. And, and we all need to be why, uh, because we need people like them representing us. But we also need to understand that there is a process in this. We can't just wake up the next day unless you're really crazy. And, and, and frankly, those are the individuals that usually were <laughs> you and I wouldn't be supporting. But they need to take a step back. They need to breathe and they need to assess. But they're not going to abandon the movement because the whole reason why they got in this is the movement. Mm -hmm. Right. If you got into it for the right reasons, of course, you're going to come back. Of course you are, because the movement and the future and our kids and the state of our nation and this state is way too important to give up. And it's not that we have a embarrassment of riches of great political talent. We have some, uh, but we don't have an embarrassment where we can uh, afford to write off someone like – and there's a bunch of people like Sherry, yes. but take her as the example, key example. Can't afford to write her off. There's another thing. Maybe it's not the message today, today for her. I hope she's not listening in this sense. But it is eminently true, and I'm sure you've seen this with candidate after candidate. There's no teacher better than loss. Yes. You lose one, you come back stronger the next time. Someone like that who is strong is going to come back stronger the next time. And we need them to. And we need them to, absolutely. I'm Seth. He's George. We'll come back with a concluding thought. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff is our in-studio guest, uh, he of the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. Uh, George, looking at the map of what we were handed this morning or what we woke up to, what's looking to be uh, revealing itself, how, how stand we going into November in the general election? At a high level, I'll repeat something that I've repeated more times than I can count, which is it's going to be a great night for Republicans in November we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And that's not because certain, you know, certain candidates did or didn't win, even though that affects a couple of races. Just in general, these things are tough, yeah. right? I mean, you always have to play and work and fight, assuming the other side is at the top of their game. So we need to be at the top of our game. Uh, we know that there are a strain of issues, and, and we'll spend some time unpacking them this month with clients and survey work that we think are going to prevail in the general election. I think the word security is going to be critical. I think it'd be fun to unpack on on a future episode the various facets of that word and how that's going to be important to the makeup of the Republican and conservative coalition that's going to win in November here like and national the security, economic security, other forms. Interesting. One hundred percent. Okay. okay. Um, you know, look, we may have some surprises, but. 
based on what we saw last night, energy, turnout, you name it, the structures, apparatus. We already know folks that have quick to mobilize. Ads are dropping today against Katie Hobbs. And I Mark saw them. Kelly. Boy, like, they wasted no time. No good. time at all. Good. Really good hits. Yeah. And look, someone like a Katie Hobbs, who is to to the left of left, there's there's no qualms about it. There's there's no moderation there. She, she called you and me neo-Nazis, not by name, but by party. Right. Yeah. There's no moderation there. Well, to the left, this is no Janet Napolitano. Right. Right. That's right. the bottom line for anyone who remembers uh, Governor Napolitano, n- not even in the vicinity of Governor Napolitano. Uh, it's going to be tough for someone like like her to win. And now that Mark Kelly has to run with a voting record, obviously those are two very prominent races. Or imagine a Attorney General Chris Mays and and how catastrophic that would be to so many things. Right, right go on. down, go down the list. Or the county attorneys race, even. I mean, the the, the Sor- Soros is making no bones about funneling money into these prosecutors' 100%. races. He had a wa- op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about it. You know, and, and you and we already know what a Julie Gunnigal will do in right. that race. We right. know she's she's talked about a, a list of frankly horrific things that she would do and a list of things she wouldn't do in terms of defending laws that are on the books. She's already it's, announcing she won't enforce the law. Exactly right on on you know if we have on a abortion no. on uh, on the life issue. So uh, it, it's important. Uh, I feel good. But you said it uh, prior. We have to come together. Yeah. We have to unify. And that, yes, is, is, is starts at the top with candidates. Some of that takes a little bit of time. With staff, takes a little bit of time. These things, as we said, get emotional. Some bruises but, take a few days. Yeah. Right. But in general, the rank and file supporter, we need to get up. We need to assess it intelli- intentionally and say, OK, do I want these values or these values? And be okay with the fact that I wasn't on that horse in the primary, but I need to be on that horse for the general. Principles over personalities. George, thank you, sir, for everything thus far and going forward. I'm thanking you in the future so you won't abandon us. <laughs> I'm Seth Lees, and we're going to do a little political philosophy with the head of Claremont Institute the next hour. They were the subject of a massive story in the New York Times, a really big one, uh, out just today. And uh, we'll talk to Ryan Williams about everything in that. You won't want to miss it. He's a mind alive. Don't go away. We'll be right back.